For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. So many sports are in full swing right now, so there's no better time to get into sports betting than this very second. Go to Bet Online. It's the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website betonline.ag or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, your online sportsbooks experts. <laughs> What's up, everybody? Welcome to a brand new episode of the Believe in Clippers podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. Jesse Cass and Alex Acker back with you, as always, as we continue here in the NBA playoffs. The Clippers in the Western Conference Finals for the first time ever, uh, but in a familiar position, finding themselves down 0-2 for the third straight series. So uh, we know, Alex, obviously, as a a weekly or bi-weekly podcast sometimes, a lot to catch up on just because there's been so much action. We've heard a lot of people talk about the Clippers you know they haven't had more than one one day in between games in over a month, so a lot of a lot has happened. Um, while the current situation is, I don't want to say dire. Obviously, they've come back from O2. It's frustrating, but uh, we also want to look back a little bit at Game Six against the Jazz because of just how monumental that was. So we're going to cover that and, of course, everything to do with this Western Conference Finals. But first, uh, how's it going? How you doing, Alex? Solid, solid, doing good. Weather's nice out here. Got the pool going. The kids is active right now in, in school so I'm, I'm hyped right now I get some quiet time a little bit for day <laughs> necessary yeah. necessary right now yeah. and um, you know obviously we mentioned the Clippers are down 0-2 uh, we are going to get into that series we know especially how how tough game two was in particular both really close games you know Chris Paul was has been out for the Suns Kawhi remains out for the Clippers but before we kind of dive into that uh, you know because our last podcast was on Friday the preview of game six I feel like we have to talk about that a little bit. It feels kind of far removed now because of the series that's going on. But, uh, yeah. you know, maybe, I don't know if it's even arguable, the best win in Clippers history, just for the magnitude, get into the conference finals, the comeback. Uh, it was it was a wild game six last Friday. Clippers were down 22 at the half. They were down 25 to start in the third quarter. And they outscored the Jazz 81-47 to in the second half. Just an unbelievable performance. The first full house in terms of a crowd for the Clippers in yeah. Staples Center. Just what were, what were your impressions of, of that game, the comeback, the moment, everything for the Clippers? Man, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm, I played basketball for a long time. I didn't think they had a chance, you know, watching, <laughs> watching that game. I was really disappointed. I was waiting for your call, but you can be screaming and yelling <laughs> or texting. <laughs> <laughs> like, really pissed but um yeah I, I stand corrected man they they had heart they had you know unbelievable um courage to fight back um through that adversary um and show true character you know what i mean and, and this the beautiful thing of it all is that they they actually everybody showed up and and held each other's hand and and, and went through this you know um predominantly as as, as a unit you 
you know, so it's, it's crazy to actually see, you know, them getting stumped in that situation and you expect them to actually um, go out like that again as far as last year and stuff and fight all the way to this point and have injuries like why, you know what I mean, and having that as the as a standpoint. But they overcame the adversity. They came together and played hard, man, and it was just amazing, you know. It's a really a great thing for sure. Yeah, it really was. And and I think, you know, we've talked about it a little bit, but it just kind of solidified the point you're making there about, you know, last year versus this year. And, and clearly two different teams, obviously, different head coach, different supporting cast around the stars. But, you know, that identity of, of that grit and heart that might have been missing last year uh, and had been on previous year's teams is clearly, you know, back and well enforced with this year's team. And you know, we saw it in round one. They're down 0-2 at home. They're down 30-11 to in game three, down 0-2. Came back and won that series. Uh, obviously down 0-2 against Utah, losing Kawhi. The heart to come back in that series. And, and they find themselves down 0-2 again. And, and even in those losses, they've been able to fight back in games they haven't necessarily played tremendously well. But but yeah, in, in game six, you mentioned the team effort. I mean, of course, the, the highlight... Was Terrence Mann, who you know we've talked sure. we've talked at length. I don't know if any if either of us even thought this was possible. A thirty nine point performance in a closeout game, seven of ten from three, uh, just yeah. a, you know a remarkable spark plug, and really kind of was the catalyst in starting that turnaround for the team. And you know credit to him and, and the coaching staff for for taking advantage of of the situation. You know Terrence Mann hit open shots. The Jazz just. You know, they kept Rudy Gobert out there. They really had no answer for guarding the three-point line with Gobert in the paint, and the Clippers just kind of, you know, feasted on that and ran away from there. Yeah, for sure. And I remember, um, if I stand correctly, we had a conversation about that at the end of the last podcast. And you definitely said you definitely said it was it was Terrence Mann that was you know somebody that had to step up. It was going to be him. Yeah. And for him to do something like this, as you know, as a sophomore year coming into the league on, on a on a platform like this where they needed somebody to perform at a high level, man, 39 points is crazy, you know. It's really crazy <laughs> to look at and see this guy really performing at this level right now. But hats off to everybody, you know, even Paul George, you know, um, he carried his weight. Um, he did an amazing job attacking the rim and just leading his team on. And Reggie Jackson has been, been phenomenal, you know, as far as his shooting. Um, even in, you know, the the prior two games that he's just been, you know, lights out from the standpoint right now. So uh, it's a lot of great things that we saw in this game. Uh, I'm just happy we got the win, man, for sure. Yeah, it's obviously a huge relief for the Clippers and all the years, you know, 51 years of not getting to the conference finals. So at least that weight is gone. And you mentioned the production up and down the lineup. Yeah, Reggie Jackson at 27 and 10. You know, his, his numbers this postseason, like you said, he's got 50-40-90 numbers, which is just incredible. Right. And then, uh, of course, Paul George, 28 points, 9 boards, 7 assists. You know, he's right. taking some heat right now for missing those big free throws against Phoenix. But, you know, even in that game and the whole playoffs long, he's played the most minutes from anyone in the entire postseason. He's got the most fourth-quarter points from anyone in the entire postseason. And he hasn't scored under 20 points in a game in the entire postseason. So... I think, you know, despite the disappointment of Game 2 versus Phoenix right now, uh, Paul George, you know, has really come through for for the most part in a big way and I think has kind of put a lot of those struggles that we saw last year behind him with, with some really strong play throughout the postseason. Yeah, for sure, for sure. For sure, Paul George has been phenomenal, for sure. He, uh, 
he, he always said that he had to go back to his Pacer days and actually put on, you know, his, his hard hat and go to work, you know, like he's the only all-star that's on the court right now. And he's definitely showing a lot of um, toolage that he had back in the days before he got hurt. And, man, he's stepped back threes with a hand in his face, getting to his spots, knocking down shots left and right. Um, it's great to watch this guy play like this at this level right now. Yeah, no question about it. You mentioned really everyone in the lineup. The two at 16, Patrick Beverly hit a couple of three, three three-pointers. I mean, they said everyone got involved in that one on Sunday. And uh, you said we just, even though it feels a little far removed, we had to highlight it because it really was, as you said, maybe the crowning moment of this franchise to this point. So, uh, you know, we couldn't let it go by without discussing just how important, how exciting, um, just how beautiful that win was for the Clippers to do it at home in front of their fans. And, it, you know, I was talking to, to a lot of people about this. It almost, you know, feels like it had to be that way with the 25-point the comeback because it's been the, the opposite so many times. Like, obviously, last year, 2015, with the, with the blown leads. Like, all right, I guess for them to finally get over that hump, it had to be in some crazy fashion like that. So, in, in, a, in a way, it made sense. And I, and I think, too, I, I was trying to figure out if this was going to be like a – um, some type of way of Conley actually intervening and, and showing up, you know what I mean? Like, that was going to be something that was going to be a hit or miss, you know, and luckily that definitely didn't play an effect towards that, uh, towards them winning. Yeah, Conley came back, but as you said, and it might have been a little bit of, of rust on his part. It might have been, you know, a, a number of different things, still maybe not being 100% healthy. You know, he had a, he had a mm-hmm. shot or two, but really didn't have a huge impact in the game, and um, yeah, as you said, you know, he was there, he, he gave it a go, but uh, the Clippers said we're kind of just in that second half, obviously, just clicking on all cylinders to, to pull away awesome. with it and get the win. Man. <laughs> Man. So now we're here with this this same situation again with the Phoenix Suns. <laughs> back in the mix. After yeah. all that excitement and boasting and cheering, now we're back down. Zero two. Yeah, crazy. back back in the O two hole, uh, which obviously the uh, the Clippers are familiar <laughs> with. Uh, third straight series, uh, and you know, you said they've been they've obviously been able to come back from it in two straight series. So I don't think there's doom and gloom, but it is definitely disappointment, especially for the way Game Two ended. Uh, you know, I don't think either team played tremendous yeah. basketball. I thought you know the Suns probably played a better game for the most part, but the Clippers. Just again with that kind of grit and effort, gave themselves opportunities to hang in the game, and then obviously late a position to to win the game. And uh, you know you can't pin everything on on one moment, but obviously getting the ball back, getting fouled, missing two big free throws, and then and then of course on the other end, uh, you know giving up a dunk on the other on the other side where. You know whether that's a lack of awareness for the rule that you can basically goaltend off an inbound pass, or however they defended yes. it. You know, Cousins not angling himself enough on the inbound pass to to prevent that angle. But uh, yeah, the missed free throws, and then obviously knowing that the Suns yeah. are likely going to go to the rim and not being able to prevent. You know, the lob pass at the end uh, ended up in a heartbreaking one point loss for the Clippers in Game Two. It's crazy, you know. Uh, I was I was actually watched the game twice when it was live, and then I just got finished watching the game not too recent ago, and then just to see the ending of it all, and then see the whole game and unveiled until that point, you see key things that actually could have been, you know, like 
capitalize a lot more. Yeah. You know, and definitely those free throws were huge, you know, from your star player. We need one of those at least, you know, to, to even to compete, you know. So yeah. that alone was, was, was the key thing. And then you got you got guys that are playing out, you know, out of this world right now. now even though Booker is playing phenomenal, um, you got Payne as, as confident as he's ever been right now. Uh, playing phenomenal out of his skin right now too as well so um, a lot of things has to be obtained and for the most part I see them actually playing and hiding their weaknesses a lot more as far as the Suns you know and being the fact that they are um, a shooting team but a little bit smaller size wise they're actually playing this zone which is actually enabling the, the Clippers to think a little bit more, you know what I mean, as far as the penetration and stuff like that, and they're in, the, in the great situations of actually rebounding uh, due to the fact that their lack of sizes. But you know, for the most part, the Suns is not the same Suns that we known to grown to see in the past. You know, the Suns are really uh, a remarkable team, and you know, it's nothing taken away from them at all because even so, last year they were them undefeated in the bubble and they didn't even get their chance to actually play in the playoffs you know so they're coming back with a vengeance to actually be able to compete and show that they belong in this situation that they're in and this is definitely not luck at all by no chance yeah no they're they're obviously a really good basketball team and, and you know they looks like they'll get chris paul back for game three which is not in, insignificant and we know that the clippers yeah. of course looks like Kawhi will not be back at least for game three we'll see going forward from there but um mm-hmm. You know, it, it, this team is not going to make excuses. They obviously are a little banged up. You know, we know how important Kawhi is. And and I think, you know, Marcus Morris struggling a little bit with that knee issue has been, you know, uh, has been tough for the Clippers as well because he's someone who really allows them to play, you know, that small ball at their best ability. We know it's him and Batum. We've seen the, the minutes for both of those guys kind of come down in this series. And while Zubats, you know, he had a double-double. He had 14 and 11 um, you know, yeah. his presence is necessary because of how tough it is to deal with uh, DeAndre Ayton. Uh, you know, those those guys in the small ball lineup, I think, do need to play more. We saw how much it turned things against Utah with Batum and Morris. But obviously, if Morris is not 100%, uh, it, it makes it a little bit tougher. For sure. It does. It does. It does. Yeah. And Cousins, I mean, I, I'm not, I'm not going to lie. You, you probably understand this, too, when I said, why the hell are you even guarding out of bounds play? That makes no sense to me. I have to say this. But, yeah, put his butt in the middle of the key and making him a defender inside. You know, there's no way the out-of-bounds player is going to get the ball back. So why are we even guarding the out-of-bounds in the first place? So that was a small mistake that I definitely wanted to say on that standpoint. But uh, I'll let it go because it's water under the bridge. we got to move forward more than anything. Yeah, and I, and uh, I think if, if you are guarding the inbounder, like we said, you know, don't guard him straight up where you're just directly in front of him. You got to angle yourself at least angle at the rim. Yes. You know, like toward the basket where you can get your hands up in that direct line of sight, which was not the case. So I, th- I think you saw there's a clip of Rondo kind of showing Cousins, you know, holding his hands up in front of him, basically probably relaying that same thing. You got to be in a little bit better position. And then, you know, obviously Zubats got held a little bit. He got hit with the screen, but even but, so, you got to be in the paint to start. You can't be lagging exactly. off or, or getting picked off in the first place. I understand Batum not wanting to let Booker get free for a jumper because there was still .9, so that was possible. But even for, for Zubats in the first place, you just got to be under the basket, essentially. You know, if they're going to yeah. throw it into Aiton to shoot a jumper 
I think you have enough time to get back out and contest, and you'll live with that. But you know, giving up yeah, a dunk at the rim uh, when you know that that's probably something they're looking to do with very little time. Uh, it's just you know, even if it was a perfect pass directly over the basket, and you can you know, good interpretation of the rule where you can goaltend, and they knew that. Uh, you know, for the Clippers, you got to be a little bit better prepared there for, you know, a, a moment that's a knowing, big. Knowing, yeah, knowing that your big man, the big man is outside, Aiden, is definitely for a live play for sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah, it was just. Uh, well, let's go all the way back to the free throws that was missed too, as well. You know what I mean? You got one of your best free throw shooters on the court uh, taking two free throws. Nine times out of ten, he's going to hit those. There's no way fact or shape form you would definitely bet that he's going to miss both of them you know so yeah it was, no, I, it was, it was, it's go ahead. no it's not in, insignificant and it's it's tough because you know paul george of course has you know the stigma and the slander that he that he gets from the outside and literally right before that you know he made two free throws with about 45 seconds left to cut it to one then he got the the driving move the layup to take the lead and then a jumper after that to retake the lead so literally six straight points in the final minute or so where he was coming up big in the clutch and then, you know, forever, for whatever reason, missing those free throws down the stretch. And like you said, you got to have at least one of those free throws to at least make it a two-point lead. Then you give yourself somewhat of a cushion there. But, um, yeah. yeah, no, to your point, the only – Paul George missed two consecutive free throws one other time all season long, and that was back in the regular season in a second quarter in a random game against Brooklyn. Uh, he, you know, he, he missed, he missed those two, and you know, obviously, the free throws are magnified at the end, and sometimes, you know, sometimes you'll miss one here and there. But for someone who's an 90 percent free throw shooter, he missed five free throws in the game, including those two. He was three of six, or he was five of eight, excuse me, prior to that one. Uh, he had missed three free throws prior. That's just something from your key guy. Whether you know, whether fatigue's involved or whatever, you got to come yeah. away and make those and. You know, he had just done, as we said, a couple of seconds earlier. So, you know, I don't know. The first one went in and out. He seemed to shoot the second one a little bit long, trying to maybe compensate for that. But, yeah, just unfortunate from Paul George, who has continued, as we said, to play really well in all facets and play all these minutes. But uh, just obviously the wrong time to, to miss some key free throws. Yeah, man. It's crazy. It's crazy. I got to ask you, though, like, like, I mean, we got Chris Paul coming back. He's. He's, he's definitely not injured by no means. So um, due to the fact that he has a COVID virus and, you know what I mean, he had and he's cleared now to play and stuff. Yeah. And uh, he's just getting rest from that standpoint, fresher legs and stuff like that. Um, he's not kindly that, you know, it's coming from an injury that, you know, is playing with his mind. He's already been able to actually perform at a high level, averaging 25 points this series, you know what I mean? And damn near double digits and in, in assists. So that's going to be another weapon, a threat that we definitely have to look at and consider of how to actually, you know, um, see that this <laughs> this bullet is coming our <laughs> way as well. You yeah. know, uh, no, it's going to be tough. So how do, how do you think that's going to be uh, something to, to not avoid, but actually, you know, go heads on? You got to post them or something like that. Yeah, I mean, as you said, it's tough. Chris Paul's had a tremendous season and postseason to this point, so he's clearly gonna gonna be a factor. I, I think from the Clippers' standpoint, um, you know, you have to be able to to get over these ball screens and contest in the mid range because we know how good Chris Paul is there. He's obviously an incredible facilitator as well. Um, yeah, you know, you do get the slight reprieve, even though obviously he'll still play a, 
of kind of campaign speed at all the time, you know, at all points of the game, which has given the Clippers trouble. So maybe, in a sense, you get a point guard who's more methodical. Obviously, Chris Paul's a much better player than campaign, but um, sure. you know, maybe you can take advantage of that a little more and try to guard that with your length and your size a little bit better. Uh, and then, you know, hope that, like you said, with the rhythm, kind of the Conley thing, it's not an injury, but kind of take him out of, his, out of his rhythm, have the Suns maybe look to adjust. But uh, it's obviously just another really strong player that you're going to have to deal with. You know he's the orchestrator, um, so I think you have to pay attention to that. But uh, I think the best strategy and advice is, you know, communicating well on those screens, getting over, and then really contesting on those mid-range jumpers, trying to force him, you know, into your t- the teeth of your defense, contested threes, yeah. just really stay in front of him as much as possible. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Making sure that he actually, you know what I mean, he's definitely capable of making those 15-footer mid-range. That's his game for sure. But seeing if he's on this game more than anything. Um, some things that I did see as far as the last game was this unnecessary helps and, and just, you know, jumping leaving your feet from Zubats and stuff like that and giving, giving easy layups and dunks and, and opportunities for these guys to actually capitalize. we got to actually make sure – that when these dudes do attack like pain, making sure they are able to finish uh, without being so active of fully committing over and giving yourself to that opportunity and leaving your man wide open for a lob or, or a dunk or something like that. So those are one of those key things that I see um, that they have to really be able to um, adjust a little bit faster. Yeah, and that'll be, I think, one of the keys for Game 3. Not only Chris Paul coming back, but... You know, DeAndre Ayton just showing that he's much more of an offensive factor than Rudy Gobert was last season. You know, he's been able to prove that, you know, he's more aggressive. He can finish better inside. He can give you a couple of different looks with the jump hook, with the, obviously, the finishes, uh, the lobs at the rim with his athleticism. So, uh, you know, that poses problems. Zubats is obviously in there playing more to try to prevent that. But, um, you know, I think I think that's interesting because with Chris Paul coming back, and with Aiton's, you know, shown of his strength inside, which way do the Clippers go? Now, we know that they've probably been at their best when they're small. Um, yeah. You know, Zubats, as you said, I think one-on-one straight up against Aiton is, is fine, but with Chris Paul especially, you know, if Zubats is playing in drop defense where he's got to go to Aiton at the rim, that's where Chris Paul yeah. feasts in his mid-range. It's what he did against Denver, yeah. with against Jokic, just got all these open jumpers. So, you know, I think the Clippers might have to sacrifice some of that size. Hopefully, you know, Morris is a little healthier. You know, Batum gets more minutes. And, and just kind of hope you can hold your own inside against Aiton and be able to switch everything outside, use more of your length on the perimeter to, to disrupt Chris Paul and, you know, Booker, obviously, Payne, Bridges, Johnson, all these guys on the perimeter. Uh, I think that's probably the, the best route that you have to go for the Clippers, uh, even with Aiton playing really well. Yeah, no, for sure, for sure. Um, probably definitely got to explore a little bit more and play some bully ball with Cousins in there as well, too, and uh, getting these guys in foul trouble. Getting them out this zone is more important than slowing the tempo down because they're able to run at a high level, and that's what they want to do. Being the fact that they're a little bit, you know, undersized and stuff, so they want to get out and not be, you know, touched and, and any jump shooter. You don't want to be touched and stuff like that. You want to, you know, get that rhythm and stuff like that, so... I would think that they would they would play, you know, Cousins, maybe even Zubac at the same time and slow the tempo down and get these guys in the paint and, and finishing. I see Cousins doing that very well um, and just giving him a little 
bit more time to as well to see if he can uh, able to, you know, get back this rhythm as far as the, the old cousin that he normally had playing that bully ball down low. Yeah, I think it's interesting. You know, with Cousins in the game one, obviously, he, he had a great offensive game. Uh, you know, I think they yeah. they need to be careful with, with maybe who they play Cousins with if they play him just because, you know, defensively with the quickness outside for Phoenix and all the screens and, you know, intricate screen sets that they, that they run, uh, you know, it's tough for him on the perimeter. I think you really have to surround him with really four other players that are really strong defensively, you know, uh, I think yeah. I think you know they've had him out there at times with you know with Reggie Jackson or Luke Kennard or some combination of the two where those guys are obviously all great offensive players but defensively it leaves a lot to be desired where I think you want to get minutes for for all those guys but it might be just dividing up you know when we have Kennard out there we make sure we have Beverly and we have Paul George or when we have Cousins out there we make sure Batum and PG and you know Beverly you know that type of thing where if you are going to get that offensive advantage from him, you really need to cover up the, the holes defensively. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a chess game, ain't it? <laughs> <laughs> no, it definitely is. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, no, it's a, obviously a chess game. You know, what are your expectations for, for game game three? Because that's, you know, one game at a time, obviously, for the Clippers. We know that round one, they struggled at home. But, you know, since game seven, yeah. they've been lights out. At home, they really dominated the Jazz uh, on their home floor. Obviously, the crowd coming back should hopefully be somewhat of a boost. But as we mentioned, the health and momentum is on the Suns' side. Uh, what do you see from the Clippers? I know you mentioned a few potential adjustments, but what do you see from them tonight? And what are some of the keys for them to to get back in the series uh, in Game Three? Man, you know the beautiful thing about it they're they're a different team when they play at home for sure, and definitely with the crowd. You know, they have that momentum actually getting things going. Um, I think the biggest thing for them is that they just really got to come off to a good start. They always start off kind of slow um, at time and time. So um, that's the key thing right there is actually locking in for the four, for the full 48 minutes and, and using those minutes in the beginning not to get warmed up because, you know, the, the, the Phoenix Suns, they're actually, you know, they're ready to go flying hot on all cylinders. They're not waiting at all. So if we can get that engine running a lot more quicker, it'll be great to actually see that happening and hitting in all cylinders. But for the most part, as far as the X's and O's and, and, and chemistry, like they come into the dungeon, they come into our house right now. So we got to have that advantage and that chip on our shoulder that, you know, they can't come in here and thinking everything's going to be sweet, which I think they're not going to think that at all. But for the most part, the way they're winning games is, is slim to none. So, I don't think that they're going to hold off the, the Suns to keep them going and slowly winning the way they are right now. we got to actually capitalize on these small wins that they're getting. Yeah, no, definitely. And I, and I think a lot of that for the Clippers is shooting the ball better. They didn't shoot it terribly in, in Game 2. They were 45%. They hit 38% of their threes. But we've seen them in some of their wins where they're, they're up in the 40, 45, 50% range at three point, from three-pointers. I think they, you know, role players tend to shoot a little bit better at home. We've seen Marcus Morris, when his brother Markeith is in the building, shoot a little better. So hopefully he's feeling a little healthier. And then defensively, you know, the Clippers held the Suns to 6 for 26 from three-point range, which is great. But Phoenix still shot 50% from the field, which means they thoroughly dominated inside, in the paint. Um, you know, it, sound, it could be kind of contradictory sounding with what we were just talking about and focusing your D on the perimeter guys, but I think you alluded to it a little bit earlier. 
just a little bit better job of contesting at the rim, even if the Suns are getting some of those shots that they like, where, you know, I thought campaign, granted his speed was a factor, but got a lot of shots at the rim, layups that I don't think were well contested enough. And then you mentioned Aiton with some easy, easy looks. So I think even if you're smaller, defending better, contesting better at the rim while still keeping your focus at the three-point line is is a big key for the Clippers in, in not only this game, but going forward in the rest of the series as well. Definitely, definitely big key. Got to hit shots for sure. <laughs> More yeah. than anything. Yeah, yeah and, and you know, a lot of these Clippers role players, as we've seen, have been able to. We mentioned Morris has been struggling because of his injury, but, you know, Luke Kennard, after barely playing in the first round, has been really fantastic shooting the ball. We mentioned Terrence Mann already. You know, Rondo finally hit a couple of shots in the last game. You know, Batum only took one shot but made it. We know what Reggie has done, and Beverly's starting to shoot a little better. So, you know, the guys are out there, for the most part, shooting it well. But I think at home, just that little extra boost, like you said, should hopefully kind of put those numbers a little bit higher where they where they were for the most of the season. Yeah, yeah. Batum shooting one shot is definitely not going to cut it at all. He's got he's to stop playing that shy role and making that extra pass. And thinking that's what he's there for. He's got to be a little bit more aggressive for it. And um, yeah, playing 36 minutes, you got to be out there, man, to actually get some things going. Um, the rebound is phenomenal. It definitely is. But like I said, at, at home, we should definitely see everybody stepping up. I'm, I'm, I'm optimistic about this more than anything. Especially man, he always plays good at home. And um, hopefully, Morris can get that knee going and and figure out a way where he can actually get to that post and his back to the basket where he's where he's comfortable at, you know, um, either or facing up as well, too. Yeah, no question. And I think a lot of this, while still, of course, trying to win, and the Clippers were lost by six and by one, so very close games on the road. So I think they can take solace in the fact that even at not their best and shorthanded, they were right there. So just a few things to clean up. And and I think from Ty Lue's perspective, mm-hmm. where I said he was obviously still trying to win those games, but I think some of the rotations and, you know, playing Cousins a little more in game one and, and Rondo a little more in game two and, and Batum a little less. I think those were partly decided by trying to get these guys a little bit of rest for just how often and how hard they've played. We know in the Utah series, Batum was, you know, over 40 minutes for a lot of those games. So, you know, I think we need the Clippers need to get him back to that 30, 40 minute range rather than the 15 that we saw in game two so hopefully you know the legs are under them a little more they can get back to those rotations with with more Terrence Mann more Nick Batum more of that kind of mm-hmm. killer small ball lineup we saw and hopefully that can kind of give them a, the momentum they need to to get a game and find themselves back in the series let's go man yeah I'm looking forward to it hopefully uh, I hope I, I know they're gonna play better for sure I know it is speaking to existence man they're gonna play better for sure yeah, no, I, I, like we said, I think that is somewhat of a silver lining that they lost game two by one point with really a chance where they should have won, and they didn't really play that well in the game. So said you kind of fix some of those mistakes, play the way you know you're capable of, and hopefully put yourself in a good position. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, so we will look forward to game three. It is tonight, if you're listening on Thursday, 6 p.m. tip-off from Staples Center with Game 4 coming up Saturday. But, Alex, I will be here to break it all down. Thanks for, for tapping in, as always, and uh, we'll look forward to this Game 3. All right. All right. Let's get it, bro. So 
that's it for this week's edition of the Believe in Clippers podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in. See if the Clippers can, for the third time in this playoffs, climb themselves out of an 0-2 hole, as we mentioned. First opportunity to chip away at it Thursday, tonight, if you're listening, June 24th, 6 p.m., with Game 4 coming up Saturday, same time. So that will do it for this week's edition of the Believe in Clippers podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple, and we're available wherever you get your podcast. Thanks for tuning in on the Believe Podcast Network, LA's number one sports podcast network, and the only place for the show for every team in LA and more. We believe in our LA teams. Do you believe? Go Clips. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.